What's going on, Cubs fans? This is the Lockdown Cubs podcast, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Sean Sears. I'm a writer for NBC Sports, and thanks for tuning in today, episode 140 of Lockdown Cubs. On today's episode, we're going to recap yesterday's 5-1 win over the Diamondbacks for the Cubs. Um, and then, of course, we'll preview today's matchup with the Diamondbacks, of course, with Mike Montgomery on the mound going up against Matt Andresi. So we'll talk about that. Um, in the second segment, we're going to dive into the offense a little bit, some of the positives, some of the negatives, and then we'll kind of debate over Maples, over Delarosa, Hap over Terrence Gore. There's some options here for the postseason kind of looming, who might make this roster and who doesn't. And then the third segment, we'll recap what's going on in the NL Central, the wild card, and uh, take a look at the magic number for the Cubs, which is, uh, spoiler alert, 10 games. So um, Let's recap this game, though, for... The first game in Arizona, the Cubs made this trip out after having kind of a, a, a so-so series with the Reds. They took two or three, but, you know, watching those games was just brutal. It didn't feel like there was anything going on. Over the over that weekend, the Cubs only managed to score five runs, uh, had a combined 16 hits against the Reds, had a ton of base running mistakes. Wilson Contreras didn't run out what ended up being a double. He seemed to think it was a home run. Uh, for what it's worth, it was projected to go 416 feet to straight center. So yeah, it looked like a home run, but you know, kind of not really the point. Daniel Murphy had another running uh, base running error as well. A lack of sleep looked like it was catching up with the Cubs a little bit. And then they go up against a guy like Patrick Corbin, who coming into uh, the matchup with the Cubs had been pretty much lights out since the all-star break. Um, I'm pulling up Patrick Corbin's stats here. This is a great tweet here from Michael Cerami, if you're not following him, from Bleacher Nation. Uh, he put out uh, yesterday that since the All-Star break, which he, uh, Corbin has around 62.2, innings, has 81 strikeouts and just seven walks. The dude can mow down some batters. And he did just that for a little bit. At one point, he set down nine straight Cubs, I think from the second to the the fifth inning. It wasn't until the sixth inning where the Cubs finally broke it open a little bit against him. But Corbin ended the day with seven strikeouts, only one walk, gave up five hits, the three runs. Of course, there's the home run to Javier Baez. We'll get into that in a second. One six innings. Um, For five innings, it looked like Patrick Corbin was going to shut down the Cubs once again. He did just that in his most recent start against the Cubs back in July. Uh, That was the game that Luke Farrell imploded. He didn't really have much pressure from the Cubs offense as the game, you know, quickly got out of hand. Um, But today's game, or yesterday's game, looked like it was going to be another one of those 1-0, 2-0 wins here. The Cubs squeaked one run across. Uh, They changed the double play ruling. Uh, Rizzo looked like he hit into double play. They changed the ruling, decided he was safe. He was clearly safe after the replay showed, and Javier Baez then teed off on a two-run shot. Made the game 3-0. In the eighth inning, Chris Bryant hit an opposite shot. His first home run since, I think, July something maybe i think it might actually be june it had been a bit um yeah july 20th actually was his last home run um so wow that had been a while of course he's been on the dl and things like that but uh you know even before that it was very obvious chris bryant wasn't feeling it he's back now um i'm gonna dive into the offense a little bit in the first and the second half of this game but let's talk about kyle hendrick for a second was able to go five and two-thirds innings only gave up three hits the one run uh, was a solo shot in the ninth inning to Steve Souza. Had one walk, eight strikeouts. Was 109 pitches. Looked like he was going to go the distance. Uh, wow, you know what? Wow, Kyle Hendricks easily his best start of the year. Looked like a stud. This is fantastic to see Hendricks coming in here. I pulled up some of his numbers for the month of September because Brooks Baseball didn't have the game yet when I was looking at the stats. Um, in three starts so far, Hendricks has his fastball has not produced anything but a ground ball 
which is the complete opposite of what it did in August when all he did was get fly balls. His changeup has gotten 19 whiffs in the month of September, and he is just he he is just impossible to hit um, right now. At least square up consistently. He's locating extremely well in the bottom half of the strike zone. He's getting some of these calls, and he got a few calls yesterday that could have gone either way. His changeup looks fantastic. His fastball, he's locating it high and getting away with it sometimes. It's just been Kyle Hendricks going out there having a ton of confidence, locating the pitches where he wants them and executing. This is vintage Kyle Hendricks and in the best way possible. The Cubs needed this more than anything else, really. The pitching had to pull together in these last couple months. We've seen Hamels, Hendricks, and Lester show what they can do, and even Quintana in aspects when he's facing the Brewers, apparently. So, I mean, it's just been great to see the pitching. And then for the Cubs' offense to break out yesterday, they had over 10, it looks like, I'm counting here correctly, 10 batters yesterday had balls hit over 100 miles per hour. They, I mean, you know, the stat line shows that Corbin was pretty much striking them out and it was navigating his way through it until about the sixth inning, but there were plenty of balls the Cubs scorched that just happened to be right at a guy or, you know, they, they ended up bouncing once and, you know, a slick play slit, fielded one of, by one of the middle infielders or something along the lines of that, but it wasn't Contreras had two balls that he smoked for a ground out and a fly out. Uh, ben Zobris had a force out that he hit at 101 miles an hour. David Bodie crushed a single for 113 miles. Rizzo did the same thing, 111. I mean, Chris Bryant had a single at 105. These guys were just nailing the ball. Addison Russell had a good, a couple good swings, still 103 mile an hour ground out. I mean, they, they were hitting Corbin hard, and that's just you know that's what happens sometimes. You just get bad luck. But the Cubs looked really good, um, even in certain aspects. So. Uh, you take it with a grain of salt because we have seen before that. I mean, the Cubs slash line coming into this was bad. These last 14 games have not been very good. For the Cubs offensively, as we've seen, particularly with the Reds, who are struggling mightily against a pitching staff that is not worth anything. So it's frustrating, but hopefully this is the sign of things to come. Jason Hayward should be probably playing in this game today. Matt Andres, he's going to make his first start of the season for the Diamondbacks. Uh, on the season, he's got a 4.76 ERA in his last seven games. He's got a 4.05 ERA, um, but he hasn't gone more than three or four innings. So this is his first legitimate start for the for the Diamondbacks. Uh, since he's come over to Arizona, his ERA is 7.31 in 16 innings. He's allowed six home runs. Uh, this seems like a game that the Cubs want to stack some lefties in here. Uh, of course, Mike Montgomery on the, on the bump for the other side. He's been solid for the Cubs. Uh, not as good as I think... He was at the beginning of the season, clearly, but you know, in his last seven starts, Mike Montgomery's got a 3.89 ERA. His season ERA is a 3.87. Uh, his most recent start was against the Nationals. Was only able to go four innings. Uh, gave up three hits, two runs. They pulled him early um, for pitching changes and things like that, or for a hitter and whatnot. So, um, Montgomery concerningly hasn't gone more than four innings. In his last three starts, he won four point. He went four and a third, so he went into the fifth inning against Atlanta and a no decision. But um, has only made it to the sixth inning twice in his seven most recent starts. He hasn't gone very deep, and we're starting to see. I think that it, that pitch total kind of come back and hurt him a little bit. I mean, Montgomery's never thrown as many innings as he has this year. Uh, or he's on pace to throw more. They've slowed him down a little bit. He threw 130 innings last year for the Cubs, and I think that was a season high. He's at 111 right now factory in a couple more starts he'll probably get past that a little bit but the cubs were very aware because he was on pace to go about 150 160 about a month ago the injury of course to him that put him on the dl for a little bit slowed that down but you know 
you've got to be careful of a guy like Montgomery, who is meant more as a swing guy, not necessarily used to that starter role. It's where he wants to be, and I think the Cubs are seeing the potential there. But, you know, clearly you don't want to force him into a situation, especially when the Cubs are going to need him uh, to be some type of swing man, starter guy, whatever you need. So um, for what it's worth, I think the Cubs, this seems like a game that they should probably see more offensive consistency and Dreesy has not been fantastic um that being said i would have said yesterday the cubs weren't going to probably score too many runs with patrick corbin and you know the opposite happened they were able to put up a five spot so i think the big difference we're seeing now offensively is the cubs are finding a little bit of their power stroke chris bryant's coming back and finding it a little bit that apple field shot was great he's had a couple of really good doubles just missed a home run uh, against the brewers last week javier baez hasn't been hitting fantastically but he's still slugging really well he's still hitting the ball hard uh, still leading the National League in, in, in RBI. So this offense looks like they're at a point where they could be turning it around in the bullpen and starting pitching has been fantastic. Epstein had a comment yesterday saying that, you know, sometimes you, know, you can't always have the best bullpen in the National League or the best bullpen in the league. Oh, wait, yes, we do by almost two-thirds of a run. Um, was getting a little sassy. I'm writing a story on that for NBC a little bit later today, so keep an eye out for that. But um, the Cubs are showing signs of a team that's looking like they, they were on a uh, in quite a slump and they're about to break it it looks like so it's exciting stuff so let's dive into the second segment here we'll talk about the offense and uh, what I was seeing so far before Monday's game so quickly before we dive into the offense of course Kyle Schorber did not travel with the Diamondbacks or travel with the Cubs to face the Diamondbacks he's still back in Chicago the Cubs come back this week and we'll have a couple home games uh I know Madden made a comment saying he was hoping that you know, to have Schwarber healthy and able to use him as a DH when they play the White Sox this weekend, just because that does help with them defensively. Of course, they have an off day Thursday, then they go face the, the White Sox in Chicago. They'll have 10 days, I think, of, of consecutively for the Cubs to be able to sleep in their own beds in Chicago. That'll be a huge, huge bump. Um, Thursday, that is an off day, but they probably won't get back from Arizona until, you know, roughly 4 a.m. back in Chicago. So, I mean, you know, call it an off day. It's probably more than just a day to catch up on sleep unfortunately but Schwarber still having nursing his back a little bit sounds like he's gonna they're gonna take it easy with him of course where we're at right now if there were any of these Cubs were to sustain an injury you know a 10-day DL stint and whatnot that that means you're probably not getting any at-bats until the postseason and you can't really add these guys to a roster on during the postseason so they would have to hope probably to the second round to get these guys back so that's why they've taken their time with a guy like Hayward and Schwarber's taking his time. Same with Brandon Morrow, who's sound like he's getting ready to come back. I think he threw a sim game Sunday, so he should be back soon, hopefully. But Schwarber, it sounds like he's good to go for the most part. If he had to go today, he could. Um, but the Cubs didn't want to risk him just, you know, having to get on a flight and going to Arizona, sleeping on the plane, and dealing with back stiffness already. It just seemed like, you know, let him stay in Chicago and meet up with them when they face the White Sox this weekend. So, But Jason Hayward was activated Sunday. He will be back. It sounds like he'll probably be in the lineup today is what I would guess with the righty like Andreese and not necessarily pitching very well. Seems like a good time to slip Hayward in that lineup. So, um, It's looking at the rest of this offense here, it's been quite a struggle. Uh, in the last 14 days, last two weeks, the Cubs are slashing 221, 290, and 317 with seven home runs, 41 runs scored, and 39 driven in. They're only walking 6.8% of the time. Uh, as a team, they're collectively near 9 or 10% on a consistent basis. Uh, they're striking out nearly 25% of the time. They're having no power, an iOS rating of 
uh, anything above 120 is considered about average so that's below uh, Babbitt 287 not good the Cubs the only teams worse than the Cubs offensively right now are would be the Giants White Sox and Orioles in this 14 game stretch that they pulled off on fan graphs here um Another thing to fa- factor in as well is David Bodie and Addison Russell not hitting worth anything right now. Bodie's batting average is back to about 230. His on base is like 307. Slugging still a little bit above 400, which is good, but he's not getting on base. Addison Russell, same type of story. He's had a couple balls. He's hit well, and it looks like he's getting better and, and, and coming closer to getting out of that slump, but still kind of a liability in offense. Um, Cubs prospects tweeted uh, kind of interesting little note on Addison Russell yesterday uh, saying that, you know, the biggest power stand of Addison Russell's life was two months that he spent in the ten- uh, Tennessee Smokies where he was pulling the ball 55% at the time. At the moment, at the time of this tweet, which was, you know, early Tuesday morning, it's down to about 30% for 2018. That makes sense. Russell's always seemed like a guy that he would really need to pull the ball to get a bunch of power behind it, but he's not necessarily a gap-to-gap type of guy. He's not the guy that's going to go out there and smash baseballs all the time. And I think the numbers we saw in 2016, even 2015 a little bit, are probably inflated. He's somewhere probably between 2016 and what we're seeing right now. Guy with some pop and inside pitch, but everything else, he's going to probably just have to hope he can go up the middle with it. So I think you kind of get what you get right now with Addison Russell. There's no time left really in the season to really do some type of swing overhaul. You just kind of have to hope he stays healthy, can provide defense, and anything he adds offensively is a plus. So, but taking a look though, I mean, the Cubs offensively have been pretty struggling, but there's been four guys in particular that are still hitting. One of them, Chris Bryant, he's slashing 333, 427, and 513 with a 10.6 walk rate right now. He's had a couple doubles. He had a home run yesterday. He's looking like Chris Bryant. That's huge. Ben Zilbers continues to hit. I think he's currently just behind. I think Yelich and someone else for the batting title right now at 318 on the season. He's slashing it for the moment the last four games, uh, 338, 375, 447, and he's only striking out 7.3% of the time. That's insane, that 14-game that 14 stretch here right now, these last two weeks. He has not struck out more than 7.3% of his at-bats. Ben Zilbers has given you professional bats right now, and that's huge absolutely huge he's the guy you want coming up against any of these pitchers the Cubs are struggling because you know he's not going to strike out he's likely going to see some pitches he's going to put something in play he's going to try to make something happen he's the guy 100% Zilber should be batting fourth right now in my opinion third even you know get this guy up with the runners in scoring position because he's going to put the ball in play at this point so that's huge uh Javier Baez not necessarily doing fantastic at the play at a 233 average, 298 on base percentage, but slugging 419. He's got eight runs scored. When he does get on base, he makes things happen. Javier Baez is in the middle of this all. He's 100% the run catalyst for the Cubs. When he's doing something positive, the Cubs are likely winning. And then Carantini has had a pretty solid week. He won hitless in his last two games against the Reds. I did not play yesterday. He's slashing 280, a 333 on base percentage, 440 slugging. He leads the team over the stretch with seven RBIs. He's been clutch. He's been important. I think we saw kind of Carantini getting on a hot spurt. Don't think it's anything more than that, but it was huge that he was helping. So uh, this offense right now, it looks like, you know, at least against the at least against the Diamondbacks looked promising. There's moments where we can kind of pinpoint and be like, okay, well, this could be smoke and mirrors. This could be yada, yada, whatever. Um, but right now, I mean, the Diamondbacks are in a playoff position right now as well. They know they need to keep winning. Their division's getting tighter and tighter at the top of the Rockies and the Dodgers. They're four and a half back after losing today. Yesterday, I think they're five and a half back now. Um, let me take a look here really quick. Um, they are. They're five games now. Five games back behind Colorado and the Dodgers. Um, 
you know, they're they're fighting for their lives, but I, I think we're starting to see, you know, they don't have the pitching. These The Cubs are clearly finding a stride here. Let's hope they can continue to keep scoring some runs. We know the pitching's going to hold up. Bullpen's been solid right now, even without Pedro Strope. Uh, since Pedro Strope has gone down, the Cubs have thrown nine and two-thirds at scoreless innings. Uh, three different guys have closed games. Justin Wilson looks solid, and his just one bat, one play, or his, you know, the one batter he saw, it didn't really matter anyways, because Contreras threw out the uh, Goldschmidt trying to steal second in the game, but uh, Wilson looks solid. I mean, he has looked solid pretty much all year. He is the best pitcher in baseball right now, or maybe just the National League, uh, of coming in and inheriting runs and not allowing them to score. So that's a huge plus, something he was good at two years ago with the Tigers. So glad to see that's finally transitioning over. But the Cubs have a lot of positives going for them. They can just get some type of consistency from their offense right now. That'd be great. And it's great to see Bryant and Zobers at the top really doing some things. Baez is continuing to club baseballs. He's not doing much when it comes to being an effective hitter necessarily, but as a run producer and driver, he's doing the job. So you kind of hope that, you know, with Chris Bryant coming back, Ben Zobers continuing to hit like he has, Anthony Rizzo having a little bit of a cold spell for the most part, being able to really turn it on the second half of the season to look like Anthony Rizzo. This Cubs offense has just got to be, you know, just moments away from really breaking open. And with Jason Hayward coming back, Kyle Schwarber was a guy that was swinging really well these last two weeks before he went down with the back. Um, you've got some bats that are starting to heat up at the right time. If they can just get healthy and be a cohesive unit, big things happening. So quickly before we jump to the third and final segment, I want to kind of talk about there's a little bit of rumbling on Twitter about, you know, whether or not, you know, who's going to be that final bullpen piece for the Cubs. It sounds like Strope is targeting the last two games of the season to potentially come back. Um, I don't know if that's realistic. He would be technically eligible. I It just doesn't seem like that's the move the Cubs want to do. Um, I would expect him to still be off this bullpen or off this roster, but if he's able to make it work, great. But right now, it looks like the final bullpen spot, assuming Brandon Morrow comes back, is between Dylan Maples and Jorge Delarosa. Maples had a pretty terrible outing against the Brewers a couple of weeks ago in a game that the Cubs had lost already at that point. Um, but he had a perfect scoreless inning against the Phillies that following weekend. Uh, De La Rosa has been solid, came in for the save a couple days ago. He's been good, but he's not anything super special. Um, I know I was chatting with Tony Andraki earlier today from NBC Sports kind of about this, and his thought process behind it was like, you know, with De La Rosa, you're just getting a guy, you know, a good lefty reliever. It's not going to bring you much. If Maples can figure things out, which is a massive if, but if he can... Um, that's like capturing lightning in a bottle because the dude can throw a slider 100 miles an hour. Like, what? If you can get this guy and he can be effective, you know, there's no one that's going to hit him. And the biggest thing for me, at least with Maples, is you know no one's going to beat him. No one's going to tag him up and hit his stuff well enough to where it's going to do some damage. He's just got to beat himself. That's really what you got to worry about is can Maples locate and throw strikes? So... I'm kind of intrigued by that. I, if the Cubs can get themselves a big lead in a game, I would not be, I would not be opposed to seeing Maples. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Maples right now, just because you got to get an idea of what you're going to do here. So, um, Dylan Maples is interesting. Jorge De La Rosa, if the Cubs end up facing a team like the Brewers, would probably make more sense because you probably want to have three lefties. But uh, I'm intrigued by the Maples idea. And then the other kind of topic of conversation is Ian Happ over Terrence Gore. Tony, in his article today, wrote about kind of predicting the Cubs' playoff roster. Put Terrence Gore on that roster and left Ian Happ off of it. Super interesting. His thought process behind it was Ian Happ, you know, has pretty good speed and 
you know, can play the field or wherever, but what he's doing is probably supplemented better by David Bodie on the defensive end and offensively by Ben Zilbers. So he's not really adding much. He adds power off the bench and is a switch hitter, of course, so it gives you a great bat to have, but um, it might be worth more to have a guy like Terrence Gore who does nothing but steal bases and get yourself in running runners in scoring position. Uh, he's a threat to score from anywhere, uh, from first base. A gapper in the outfield, Terrence Gore is going to score. He's just incredibly fast. And have that asset sitting on your bench when he can play pretty good defense. He's not fantastic, but clearly going to cover a ton of ground. Um, to have that, it's a difference maker, especially in a postseason. Uh, so I would probably still lean towards Ian Happ, but I can see why Terrence Gore is an option. I think that's interesting. So that's something to keep an eye out as the season goes on. We're going to see probably Maples and De La Rosa, Happ and Gore kind of go at it a little bit and see who kind of comes out on top. So maybe not head to head clearly, but you know, those are the two guys that I would say are probably in the, on the bubble for uh, a playoff uh, roster spot. So let's go to the third and final segment where we'll check in on the NL Central wildcard standings and uh, kind of go over what, what's got to happen for the Cubs to make it to the postseason. So for this final segment, let's take a look at the NL Central standings. Of course, the Cubs still leading the division at 82 and 62. The Milwaukee Brewers are two and a half game behind, behind them at 86 and 65. Uh, St. Louis at five and a half games at 83 and 68. They're likely probably really close to getting out of this NL Central standing race. And of course, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, not, not in the race. Cincinnati was eliminated. I believe Pittsburgh has been eliminated or will be eliminated in the next day or two. So they're still in the wildcard chase though, for a little bit. Um, taking a look at the wild card right now, Milwaukee has a three game lead on one of the main wild card spots. They would be hosting the wild card playing game which would take place on October 2nd, I believe, or actually the 3rd. It would take place on the 3rd because the AL wildcard playing game would be the 2nd. Um, the other final spots right now, St. Louis is holding on to it by a half game over Colorado, who is now officially a half game behind the Dodgers. The Dodgers have taken the division. Crazy. Arizona's five and a half or five games back of the wildcard, five games back in their division. They're getting close to being pushed out. Philadelphia is at 76 and 73. They're six games back of the wild card, six and a half back of their division. They're probably out of this. Pittsburgh, seven games back. Washington, seven games back of the wild card. It's between St. Louis and Colorado right now, 100%. So that's huge. The Dodgers are in the, in the picture as well. It looks like the Cubs in Atlanta are probably relatively safe. I would say Atlanta's definitely got their division. The Cubs have to kind of keep winning. The Brewers are still right behind them. But things are getting closer, and the picture's starting getting a little more clear. Um, so the Cubs haven't. The Cubs can finish out the series with the Diamondbacks. They could probably eliminate the Dod or the Diamondbacks from playoff contention here relatively soon if they were able to take two more games. They play the White Sox this upcoming week, and while the White Sox aren't very good, um, they always seem to play the Cubs well. And it always seems like that series ends with a split. Never seems like one team absolutely dominates the other. So it'll be interesting this weekend with all the fans showing up. I'm sure it'll be an amped up environment, something to be excited about for Chicago, especially with the White Sox getting the chance to play spoilers. I'm sure they'll be excited about that. So, But beyond that, guys, that's the show for today. Appreciate you tuning in. I know it's been a long wait. I know there will be shows every day here from this this point forward. It'll be myself majority of the time hosting this show. Ryan Davis is still part of Locked on Cubs. He'll be helping out every now and then. He'll probably be on the show maybe once or twice a week. So stick around for Ryan. He'll be back. He's a great guy. I'm excited to talk more baseball with him. Um, but beyond that, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Cubs. Make sure you're following me. I am Sean R. Sears. I also host the 312 podcast live every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. You can find me work at NBC Sports Chicago. Beyond that, leave us a review on the podcast. Um, we're on iTunes. I believe 
uh, Google Play, Spotify, uh, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you should be able to find us. Leave a review. Leave a five-star review if you can. Also, leave a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. But beyond that, thanks for tuning in, guys, and let's hope for another Cubby win.